little paper crane this morning. They're making them for free back there if you want one for yourself. So, uh, If you haven't been with us, we, we started a series last week. We're going for the next four weeks from here on out. And every series, we're trying to do some little memory verses. And so there are little cards over there. I think I have one up here um, that we've made up. And they're there for the taking. If you want to take one, keep it in your wallet or on the dashboard of your car or something like that. And you can kind of memorize these verses. You could memorize all three of them. You could memorize two of them or one of them. It doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, if you can get one of them in your head, that would be great, you know. Uh, But we're just trying to do this to, like, just beef up our our just our knowledge and our understanding and, and keeping the word of God close to our hearts. So that's fir- the first verse is Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Nice and short and sweet. That's easy to remember. Mark 2, 27. Uh, then he, Jesus, said to them, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, which we're going to hear in the sermon today. And then finally, Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise Give thanks to him and praise his name. So that's a great verse. Like if out of all those, maybe that last one is pretty cool to, to memorize. If you're not going to memorize all three, I think Vinny would like you to memorize that one. Because you, then you come into worship like ready to worship, right? So that's kind of cool. But I want you to all to grab a Bible. You should have a Bible next to you uh, on a seat near you. We're trying to get in the habit of just opening those things. Um, I want you to keep it, keep it on your lap because later on I'm going to ask you to look up verses uh, during this, this sermon. But let me pray for us before we get into this. Father, we thank you for this morning. We uh, want to be present here in, in, in a very real way with you. We, wanna, we want to turn off all the other things uh, that are vying for our attention. So come, Holy Spirit, and tune out the world around us right now. I think about being out in nature, talking with somebody yesterday about being out and hiking in nature and just the, when it's really quiet. We want that right now. Sitting on a lake, it's really super quiet. We just can hear you speak a little bit louder. So we ask for that. That even when I'm babbling up here, Father, that you would be speaking. That you would be speaking into hearts. Myself included. Come and make this your time. Not Jason's time. Not anybody else's time. We want to worship you. We want to hear from you. We want to do what you have called us to do. We want to live how you have called us to live. So convict our hearts, bring joy where we need it, bring thought and contemplation where we need it. And we give this time to you, and in Christ's name we pray, amen. So we said last week that simply that Sunday was meant to be our best day of the week, right? That, uh, you know... It's supposed to be sort of like this, this, this refreshing time or whatever. You know, during Jesus' day, uh, Jews had plenty of laws surrounding um, the Sabbath, right? Indicating what you could or couldn't do on the Sabbath. And if you don't know what the Sabbath is, that was the seventh day. It was Saturday, actually, from Friday evening to Saturday evening. It was that last day of the week. 
that the Jews observed as, you know, just they didn't do anything, right? They didn't work and anything like that. And if you just Google right now, if you go home tonight and Google um, Sabbath laws or Shabbat law or whatever, you're going to find out that there are currently still all these little laws that uh, a Jewish person has to follow, you know, during the Sabbath, on the Sabbath. They, like they can't light a candle. They can't extinguish a flame. They can't erase something. They can't write something. They can't tear something. It's just all these little things. Can't push a button. That's too much work. You know, you can't do those things. Like all these little things. And it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to, to read through them. Um, there, are, there are just lists and lists and lists of them. But uh, on one Sabbath day, if you remember the story, Jesus was with the disciples and they were debating about which, which of these laws or these little rules applied to them and which didn't. And Jesus clarified God's purpose for the Sabbath, once and for all, when he said in our memory verse, Mark 2, 27, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, um, man, not man for the Sabbath, right? So the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it was supposed to benefit us. Jesus was saying, right, that of all the days of the week, that God knew we'd need a day to refuel and to refresh and to refocus ourselves. He really did. And so when God was arranging the rhythm of the world, I like to think in, in, in terms of rhythms, you know, in life, right? When, when God was arranging this, this rhythm of the world, he designated one day a week for us to, to refuel by refocusing our attention on our Creator, and whenever people have taken the time to, to set aside a day for rest and refocus with God, life has gone a lot better for them. They felt better about themselves. They enjoy and experience family and friends and God more deeply. It is just a true fact. The problem is that we live in an addictive culture. We really do. We run around 24-7. You know, we, we never have enough time for anything, right? But we have plenty of worry and plenty of anxiety while true peace and happiness seem to elude us all the time. Day in and day out, we're under pressure. But wouldn't it be nice if we had simply just a pressure release valve, right? Just something that take the pressure off. Now, I want you guys to relax today. I'm, I know I'm a little loud all the time, right? Uh, I hope that doesn't make you tense, right? But I, I, I do want you to relax. I don't want you to relax so much that you fall asleep this morning, but I do want you to relax enough to listen well and to leave here hopefully feeling like a weight's been lifted. The problem is in our busy society, when I say you need to rest, you say, oh, another thing I got to do, <laughs> right? It doesn't, it doesn't come off as rest. You're like, oh, I got to add that to the list now. You know, that kind of, oh, that stinks. You know, that's, that's sad, right? It's sad, that's sad truth about us. But, you know, you go back in time, and, I, and I, whenever I say things like this, I always feel like the old, old man, right? You, but you go back in time, and there was a lot less pressure at times. And, you know, I've told you before that I've read this, the little fact, little factoid in the one of those books you know you 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 read in the bathroom right and it says and it says uh you know that that people now have as have as much anxiety as a 1950 psych ward patient so you know there was a lot less pressure way back when 
Nobody worked on Sundays, right? We talked about that. Businesses were closed for the day. I think Chuck told me, I, I don't know if it was Michigan or Missouri or something like one of the states with an M, I think it was, uh, that, that in 1984 and 1985, they, they decided overnight to, to uh, open things up on Sunday. And it just changed the culture, right? It really did. It just, I remember the difference, right? I'm old enough to know that. There were no traveling all-star teams on Sundays, right, for kids. I think is the worst thing in the world, right? I I just can't stand it. Sunday was a day of rest. Sunday was a day of worship, which may seem old-fashioned. It might seem old-fashioned, but doesn't something about that intrigue you? That idea of turning everything off, just resting and worshiping for a day. We may have gotten a lot less done on Sundays at that time. But a lot more was achieved on Mondays, I I believe, as a result. After a day of rest, people tend to attack the week more eagerly instead of just going into it already tired. We've we've gotten a a lot less done, but we can accomplish a lot more during our week if we learn to rest really well. You know, athletes, we all know, find that they perform better by alternately working hard and then resting, working hard and then resting, working hard and then resting. Instead of just working all the time, your muscles get worn out if you do that, right? Our muscles are designed for stress and release, stress and release. And I believe our souls are designed that way as well, right? What if we were actually designed to have to take a step backwards every once in a while to be able to move forward? All right, grab your Bible. I want you to look up Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. That is page 146 in your, in your uh, Bibles, if you're using the one from church here. Um, if you're using your own, I have no idea. If you're using your phone, I have no idea. But uh, page 146 in your, in your Bibles, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And let me uh, tell you a little bit before we read that. In the Old Testament, uh, the nation of Israel was sort of uh, they were about to enter the promised land. If you remember the story, they've, they've left Egypt and they've been wandering around the desert for all these years and they're going to enter the promised land after 40 years of, of this wandering, right? And, and uh, finally, they would be able to occupy homes and they would actually be able to lead normal working lives instead of just running around gathering manna all the time and all that stuff. And God visited Joshua and he talked to him about the priorities of Israel's uh, of Israel and of, of, of him as a leader as they enter into the promised land. And he said this, keep this book of the law, which is basically what you're holding in your hands, your Bible, right? Keep this book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Let me read that twice. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And God was saying, basically, Joshua, you know, once you guys have all settled in, you've gone into the promised land, you've taken the land and all that stuff, you're going to be tempted just to, like, get into that life, you know, just that work, you know, system and just work, 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 work and to to get ahead. But if you just work to get ahead, you won't get ahead. You'll actually fall behind. In, in many different ways, I believe. The secret to getting ahead 
God says, is to spend time in my word. Because if you get into my word, my word will get into you and you will become the kind of person who is prosperous and successful. Now, when I, we have to be careful. I'm not saying prosperous in the sense of we all want to get rich. That's not what we're saying. Prosperous and successful. What is success? I think I'm a pretty successful guy, but I don't got a lot of money. Right? I have a beautiful family, a wonderful family. I have wonderful friends. This is a great church. I mean, this is success to me. You guys are, you guys are success to me in a sense. I have a great, wonderful place in life. This is just good stuff, right? It's a blessing. It's, you know, it is sometimes about money. I think God does bless us with money. You go back to Genesis 12. God says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you can be a blessing. Part of that was money. Now, was it money just for me to buy big fancy cars and do whatever? I don't mind you buying fancy cars, by the way. But, you know, I, I would buy one if I could. But, um, but it's not just for that stuff. It is for turning the blessing back out to other people, to bringing the gospel to others, right? To blessing this world, all the nations of the earth, Matthew chapter 28, with uh, the gospel. Sorry, I went off track there, Mark. But... <laughs> We get used to that here. Um, But, you know, this is proven to be true, right? This is proven to be true throughout uh, throughout history. In in the 18th century England, Jonathan and Charles Wesley, if you ever want to read about these guys, wonderful, wonderful stories. They started a movement which which resulted in 100,000 weekly Bible studies by the year 1798, and as a result, for, for the next 100 years, England was the most prosperous nation in the world. Now, you might say, Jason, you're putting a little bit too much weight on this stuff. No, I don't think I am. I think we don't realize how much God is right there blessing us in order that we would be a blessing. We really don't understand how much effect our interaction and our walking this out with God has, right? Um, in 1857, Jeremiah Lamphere, if I say his uh, unusual name correctly, uh, he started a noontime prayer meeting in a Dutch Reformed church in downtown New York City, which sparked this movement of prayer and Bible reading across the country. It became as known as the Fulton Street Revival. 3% of the United States population came to Christ during that time. That would be the equivalent of 10 million people today coming to Jesus, you know, in, in a matter of a few weeks or months. It was crazy. There were 10,000 conversions a week alone in New York City for a period of time. The the first night they had six people. The next week they had 14. Then they had 23. And then they had 60. And next thing you know, they had 3,000 people and they were doing it every night of the week. It was crazy. And as a result, you know, the history of Americans' uh, westward expansion was marked by all these households across the country just huddled around their kitchen tables at night while dad reads the Bible for an hour and they pray together. And, and all that stuff gets in people. Once that habit was ingrained in people, in, in families, the next 100, 100 years of America's history, we became the most prosperous nations on the earth. I remember somebody used to say the the... the uh, the statistic that we had 85% of the world's wealth in America, and that was going back 30 years ago. I don't know if that's true or not then or whatever, but we, have, we had a lot. Why? Why? 
you might think it's for corruption. I don't, I think God has blessed us so that we would be a blessing to the world. Maybe we haven't done that really that well. That's Israel's history, by the way, that God blesses them and then they fall into sin and he takes that blessing away and he scatters them in order to get them out to, to be a witness to the nations. If you want to take a good course, take the perspectives course. I'll ask me about it. It's one of the best courses out there and it gives you the history of scripture and, and the nation of Israel and, and the church and everything, early church history. It's really, really a cool course. But anyway, I don't even know where I am now. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, they got that habit in them and, and, and the world just kind of changed. You know, people might say that we're too busy now to be, you know, sit down and, and read the scriptures to, 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 to get that in, in, into us, you know, due to the busyness of, the wor- of work to get ahead. You know, we've got all these things to do. But God says, if you take the time to read it regularly, you will become the sort of person who does get ahead. I'm currently reading through the Bible in a year. It's doing wonderful things for me. I'm not like sitting and stopping and, and, you know, like digging into little things. I am just taking an overview flight of the whole, the whole thing. And it's pretty cool to read it that way, just to read right through. Don't worry about getting all the details. Don't worry that you pronounce all the weird names correctly and all that kind of stuff. Just read, 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 read. And suddenly you start to get like, my gosh, wow, there's some, just some things that sink into you. The same is true with the Sabbath, right? This day of rest. We think we can get ahead by working more, just being busy all the time. But the best way to be productive is to rest and refuel for a time each week. And that's the concept of the Sabbath, and God started it. And he said we needed it. The way to make your Mondays better is to start with your Sunday, right? In the Bible... God prescribes 52 Sabbaths a year, right, as part of our soul care plan. And I really do believe that one of the greatest problems in our lives these days is we're not taking care of our souls. We're really not. That's seven and a half weeks of spiritual vacation every year. Seven and a half weeks. God did this because when he wired us up, he constructed us to run best on this rhythm of engagement and withdrawal, stress and release, work and rest. It's a pattern that is sewn into the universe. Days were made for work, nights were made for sleep and rest, right? God made Sundays as our release day in the week, so to speak. A Sunday rest is part of our divinely designed sort of nature. Sundays are the built-in pressure release valve. They really are. Now open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. That's page 509. In your, I, I took the time to look up these, these uh, page numbers for you. Page 509. Uh, Isaiah 58, and we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. Follow along as I read. So God says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and, and, and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by not going, down, going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord 
and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That sounds good to me. I mean, it's pretty simple. If you call the Sabbath the delight, I will cause you to ride in triumph. So God's secret is to consider Sunday to be the best day of your week, right? How can you make that happen? How would it, what would it look like? Or how, you know, what would it look like to make Sunday the best day of your week? What, what, what does that entail, right? Well, there are two steps I think you can take to making your Sunday great. The first is to make a conscious decision to honor God's rhythm for, uh, for your life. To honor God's rhythm for your life. You might ask, in my busy life, in our busy lives, right, with all of our responsibilities, and, every, and it's always adding to us all the time, how can we possibly observe the Sabbath? How can we possibly stop for one day a week and just rest and worship the Lord? Whereas the question should be, how can we afford not to observe the Sabbath? Is it really working all that well anyway? We would do very well to adopt God's rhythm of life for ourselves. A few years ago, the pastor who wrote your book, um, Hal Seed, I think his name is, was uh, these little I Love Sunday books, which are over there if you didn't get one. Uh, They're free, take one. Um, But he was... uh, he was at the Western Wailing Wall in Jerusalem as they brought the Sabbath together. You know, they brought, in, they brought in the Sabbath, ushered it in, right? And he says it was a raucous celebration. Jewish men dressed in their finest were bobbing back and forth. You remember they do this, you know, bobbing back and forth. Israeli soldiers holding Uzis, right? You know what an Uzi is, a little machine gun. Uh, Uzis in hand were singing Sabbath songs together. Isn't that a great picture, Right? One little boy ran up to me with a huge smile on his face and shouted, Shabbat Shalom, Sabbath peace, right? To me, he shouted Shabbat Shalom to me like I was a long-lost relative. It was one of the most festive celebrations I've ever seen. Sabbath celebration is so sacred to the Jewish people that the entire nation of Israel puts their elevators on automatic during the Sabbath. Every elevator stops at every single floor so, so that you don't have to even push a button to go up to, the, up to your apartment or wherever you're going, right? So all the Israeli elevators are, st- are, are set to stop on, on every single floor so that people don't have to do that, just to observe the Sabbath. Or maybe they have two elevators, one stops on the odd floors, one stops on the even floors. Jordan even told me they had a friend in New York City where the guy would, like, if they went to visit him on the Sabbath, the guy would, like, have to wait for one of his neighbors to come out and get into the elevator to go downstairs to get them because he, he couldn't push the button to call the elevator up to himself. He was, he was an Orthodox Jew. It's just interesting, right? How much that, you know, they take into that, right? That might seem extreme to us. Because we live in a country where, you know, everyone just kind of does as they please. We don't, we don't have anybody telling us what to do. But, but imagine if you lived in an apartment building and every single Sunday your elevator stopped at every single floor. Every single stop of that elevator, every time the bell rang, you would think, oh my gosh, there is a creator God who wants me to rest and wants me to enjoy him. 
There's something about self-denial. Not just giving yourself everything you want all the time, right? It, it, it communicates to you. Jews celebrate the Sabbath on the seventh day, right? To remind themselves on the seventh day, God rested from all his labor of creation, Genesis chapter 2. Because the resurrection of Jesus happened on, the, uh, on a Sunday, Christians sort of adopted the first day of the week as our Sabbath. So I'm not saying that it has to be on Sunday or Saturday, whatever. You know, I'm not, you know, let's not get into all that. But the principle is the same. Take a day of rest. Take a day of rest. And build it around God and make Sabbath a delight. Now, I think it's great if we could all make it on Sunday because we do it together. There's something about being, doing these things together. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10. That's page 52 in your church Bible. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10. And Exodus 20 is where Moses gave the Ten Commandments, if you remember. And the fourth commandment there reads, Remember... The Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Exodus 28 through 10. Remember the Sabbath, it says. And remember is a verb which causes us to think backwards, right? To, to remember, look, look back on something, right? Almost as if the commandment says that after the Sabbath has passed, we should think back on it, in a sense, right? Now, turn forward in your Bibles uh, to the book of Deuteronomy. It goes Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, page 125 in your church Bible. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 5. Uh, verse 12. So page 125, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Now Moses uh, gave the Ten Commandments twice. Once as Israel was, was entering the wilderness, and then again, uh, years later, as they were leaving the wilderness to enter the promised land, he, he, he gives it again. And this is the second giving. And this time the commandment reads differently. He says, observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. So remember and observe, right? Notice the change in verb there. In, in, in Exodus, the command was remember, right? So look back. In Deuteronomy, it reads observe, which has this idea of looking forward, right? What's coming at you. Because of these two Sabbath verbs, Jewish people have built their lives around making the Sabbath the best day of their week. The first days after the Sabbath, they remember what they look back on it. They remember the Sabbath. They remember that day that they, they spent resting and worshiping God. And the last days before the Sabbath comes again, they, they observe by looking ahead. So every, their whole week is centered around the Sabbath. So you all know what it means to look forward to something, right? Some of you were looking forward to the, the movie Joker before it came out, right? Some, well, I know I was. I, it was a crazy movie too, boy. And now I was looking, I'm looking forward to The Irishman. I got tickets this Thursday night. Amen. The Irishman. I've been waiting for that to come out for a long time. Three and a half hours, dude. Yeah. I, yeah. Who, who doesn't want to go see that? If you don't want to go see that, uh, you, you must not have a pulse. But anyway, 
But you look forward to things. We look forward to things, right? And we talk about it. I'm talking this Sunday, Sunday, Thursday, I'm going to see the movie. I'm telling you, I'm going to see The Irishman. I'm excited about this movie, right? Anyway, but you get the point. But maybe, maybe you hear about an Eagles-Cowboys game, and you, you can't wait to see the Cowboys beat the Eagles. And, you know, I, I was born in Dallas. I can say that. I, but, you know, anyway. But it's... <laughs> stone him kill him but but you think about it right you think about it you talk with your friends that before the game comes up and i know the eagles would be the cowboys i get it i get it but then then you know like if it was a great movie or if it was a great game after the fact you you're going to talk about that again for a few days you're going to remember and observe remember and observe right god's rhythm that's god's rhythm for life that's way, the way we do things we need our lives to sort of sway to his cadence we really do. What if this afternoon and tomorrow morning you talked with your family or your friends about what you learned or what you heard or what you experienced in church today? Maybe you recalled a song that you know the, the worship team sang and particularly hit you or what great words came from your pastor's mouth, right? No, I'm just kidding. You know, I hope you parents talk to your kids about what you're learning, what they're learning in, 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 in class and, I, and about what you're learning. Tell them what you learned. Tell them what you experienced. Kim's going to be talking to later today about a new curriculum we have, uh, like a little uh, app that, that's going to help you interact with your kids and what they're learning in Sunday school and all that kind of stuff. But share with them what you're learning, what you're hearing from the Lord here, right? Maybe share with others what you did or what, 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 what you experienced at church. And, and, and what if this Friday you actually posted on Facebook or Instagram, you know, less about what you're eating and more about what's, what, what's going to happen on Sunday. Maybe you, you say Sunday's coming, you know, with a big exclamation point, And you use a picture of our church and us worshiping together or some people at your church. And, and, and you, you tell people how excited you are about what's coming on this Sunday. You know, there's a phenomenon in psychology that says, act your way into a new way of thinking. Act your way into a new way of thinking. You know, typically we like to say we want to do things from the heart, and I believe that. You know, I don't like to just be rote. But sometimes you do need to act in a certain way to get someplace in your heart, right? So act your way into a way of thinking. Counselors sometimes will teach couples who've fallen out of love to act as if they're in love with each other and it seems to work. A husband goes out and he buys his wife some flowers and he finds himself liking and loving his wife a little bit more because he did something that was loving towards his wife instead of something just angry all the time. You know, a wife maybe takes special care to prepare you know this wonderful dinner for her husband instead of griping about the one being the one that's always cooking all the time she she actually does it with a a a desire to really bless him and she she puts some effort into the relationship and some somehow her feelings change this is taking your feelings under control by the way this is not letting your feelings dictate your life this is this is this is bringing them under the authority of christ You've heard that story. I, don't, I hope if you, if you haven't, it's a great story of the couple who, you know, the husband comes home and he's, he's got a lady on the side and he tells his wife over dinner, I want a divorce. 
And she says, I'll give you a divorce on one condition. And he says, what? She goes, every morning, I want you to carry me from the bed downstairs to the couch. And so every morning, he says, for one month, that's what I want you to do. And she, he does this for one month. He picks her up and he carries her down the stairs and their son sees this. The son goes, oh, dad's carrying mom. Blah. And he, he becomes really, you know, used to this and he gets all excited about it every morning and, and all this stuff. And, and the husband, after a few days, after being close to his wife and seeing her face and seeing the wrinkles in her eyes and things like that, he starts to, his feelings start to change. And then he notices she's, she's losing weight. And he, but he, every morning he just does this and he does this. And he's not really, they're not really talking too much. He's just doing this one act for her. And by the end of the month, he drives to his girlfriend's house and he says, I don't want to, I'm not going to divorce my wife. I love her. I'm not going to divorce her. And then he goes to the store and he buys flowers. But what he didn't know was she was dying of cancer. And by the time he got home, she was dead. But they still ended their life better together right? Wonderful story. Horrible ending, right? <laughs> I'm a little, little laugh there so you're not like all depressed. But, um, but seriously, it, it's a wonderful ending. You know, what if, what if she said, okay, we'll get divorced? What, what would that have done to their child? Act in a certain way, right? Isaiah 58.13 says that we should call the Sabbath a delight, Call the Sabbath a delight. If you don't feel like the Sabbath is a delight, make a decision to call the Sabbath a delight. Make a decision to say, I am excited to get here and to worship with all of my people, right? And you're going to begin to feel like you're looking forward to it, that the Sabbath is a delight, that the day of rest is a delight. It, you know, it, if step one is making Sunday, in making Sunday the best day of your week is to honor God's rhythm of your life, then step two takes us a little bit further, which is to prepare for Sunday if it's, as if it's the highlight of your week, right? In Psalm 121, 122, verse 1, which we looked at last week, King David, you remember, gets invited to the house of the Lord, gets invited to church, so to speak. And, and his response was, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He's excited, right? He's made that choice. He's, he's all fired up about it because, you know, going to church was the high point of his week, so to speak, right? How could that happen for you? How could that happen for you? Guys, I remember, you know, if you were in high school, well, everybody was in high school at one point, right? If, unless you haven't been there yet, I guess. You get it. You, you know, oh, gosh, my head. But, you know, when you were in high school, you know, you, 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 fell, you fell for some girl. You asked her out on a date, right? And what, what would you do to get prepared for that? You, you'd take a shower, I hope, right? Jack, you take a shower before you go out with your girlfriend. Yeah, good, good job, right? You take a shower, you comb your hair. I can't comb my hair, but, uh, you know, you guys can. Um, you put on some clean clothes, you know, you, you, you know, uh, ladies, by the way, if you don't know this, if, if, if you, if your guy is a, if he pumps iron, if he works out, typically before, before we went out on a date, we would go to the gym and pump iron for like a half an hour before we went on our date because you get all rock pumped up. You like, you look best, right? Little secret. You didn't know that. Um, I'm sure you girls have some thing you do but it's a weird thing that we do but um what did you do when you asked a girl to the prom right you'd buy her flowers 
You would, you know, rent a tuxedo. You'd wash your car, actually, right? You'd clean out, clean out all the McDonald's wrappers out of your car and vacuum it and all that kind of stuff. You'd make reservations for dinner at a really nice restaurant. You might even get a, a what do you call it, a, a limo and whatever, you know. Maybe you didn't have to wash your car. Maybe you rented a limo. But, but you know, your regular date and your prom date may have been with the same exact person, same exact woman, right? But... What made one good and one great was the difference in preparation. You may not have really remembered all the dates you went on, but you remember your prom, right? So, you know, a normal week, on a normal weekend, let's say the Smith family, right? Or the Thomas family. Maybe we'll say the Thomas family. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, let's say the Smith family, because I don't think there's anybody named Smith in here, but... Um, but you know, they go out and they, they do something fun on a Saturday night. They, you know, they come home late and everything. They, and they sleep to the very last minute on Sunday morning before they get up and go to church. And, and everybody's like sort of, you know, bickering and fighting all the way to the parking lot. And fortunately, church parking lots have this sort of magic, miraculous healing effect on families that as soon as our feet touch the macadam, we stop fighting, right? And, uh, the chaotic becomes tranquil and saints become sinners, or sinners become saints, sorry, other way around. But, you know, you, know, you couldn't stand each other a minute before, now you're walking arm in arm into church. And how hard is it, right? How hard is it to have a great experience at church if you have a miserable experience getting to church? It definitely makes a difference, doesn't it? I was in a bad mood yesterday and Kim said, let's go hiking. So she took me out to Fairmount Park, and we walked around Wissahickon Creek and all that stuff. 10, 15 minutes in it, my, my demeanor started to change, right? And I remember thinking I could stay in a bad mood or I could get nice, <laughs> you know? And it's sunny out here. You know, I, I better get nice, right? These are little choices. In our book, uh, I Love Sundays, the author writes, anyone who has ever put on a plastic smile knows how difficult it is to concentrate on something wonderful when they're feeling something awful. One of the greatest things about church is that people regularly walk in a mess and walk out at peace. Imagine how much better off we would be if we walked to church, into church already at peace, he says. Now, it's great that people walk, you know, in here, maybe a mess, and they walk out at peace. But what if Saturday was spent with Sunday in mind, right? Getting to bed at some decent hour, you know, in preparation for the following morning. What if we prepared for Sunday mornings like we prepared for the prom, so to speak? You know, if the Smiths have small children, right? The Thomases have small children, right? Imagine it's sun, you know, Saturday morning and Mrs. Smith is, is asking her kids, what do you want to wear to church tomorrow? You know, and, they, and she gets it all ready and she lays it out for them. You know, on Saturday evening, you know, she helps them get to bed on time or he helps them get to bed on time. And they have a, like a sort of a normal <laughs> bedtime instead of really late night, right? What kind of experience uh, would it make in our church experience if every member of our family woke up rested on a Sunday morning, everything they wanted to wear was already laid out for them? These are really practical little things, right? And if you're the Smiths and you, and you have teens, you probably don't want to ruin their 
their social life and making them come home too early. But what if you just had a little family powwow, right? You had a little talk, a little, and you all came up with an acceptable plan, a doable plan for all of you for Sunday mornings. So, you know, like you, you just sit there and talk. And so you don't, you're not fighting over the shower or over breakfast and you're not yelling at each other. You're not running late and all that kind of stuff. Just come up with a game plan, simple game plan. Think through it a little bit, right? The U.S. Marines have a saying, proper prior planning prevents poor performance. I had to read that. Proper prior planning prevents poor performance. It does, right? Plan for church like you're going to plan for the prom. Now, if you replace Sunday morning, you know, you, you imagine if it takes your family maybe 15 minutes to get to church. What if, what if you got in the car 25 minutes early before church and you started to drive here actually at the speed limit, right? And not honking and not, you know, not running old ladies over and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe, you've, maybe you, you sing a worship song together. Like my wife was, ran upstairs this morning because you guys were practicing a, practicing a song. Nothing else, I think it is. She's like, I love this song. I just had ran upstairs to hear it, you know, because she was going to be down in kids' ministry today, right? So, but maybe you sing a worship song together on the way to church. Prepare your hearts, Right? When you get out of the car, you know, you're, you can stroll across the parking lot and you can actually stop and talk to somebody. And you might have a few minutes, you know, left over just to have a conversation with somebody instead of rushing in. You'd have a few minutes to spare. You'd get some coffee. You could eat some of Joe's nice croissants back there, you know. You'd enjoy the morning so much more. You might get to know somebody. You might make a friend. You, somebody might pray over you. Something might change in your life, Right? Like prom versus date, the difference is in a good Sunday and a great Sunday just might be advanced preparation, thinking about it, not just taking things as they come. So how are you going to pray for next, or prepare for next Sunday, right? Let, let me give you a few suggestions on how to change the rhythm of your life because I think it's important for us. Firstly, block out the next four Sundays. This Sunday included, so you only have three more. Right? Block out the next four Sundays. What if you blocked you know, these four weeks out right? And, and, and on your calendar and you said, I'm not, we're not going anywhere but to church on these Sundays. Right? You, know, you, you don't miss one. You just commit. I'm going to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to walk in and we're going to worship the Lord and we're going to really engage with this. Schedule it into your, in, into your phone you know, and get a reminder on it the day before to get prepared for it. What, you know, what if you just did that one simple thing? Secondly, figure out your advanced plan, right? Figure out your advanced plan. Sometime this afternoon, before the idea dissipates in your little brains, go home and talk to the people that you, you go to church with. That's your family. If you're college students, you, you guys all drive here together. Make a plan. Where are we going to meet? What time are we going to meet? And wh- what time are we going to leave? And all that kind of stuff. You know, set the table the night before. You know, my, my, my wife makes this... Uh, Sausage and grits pie. It's wonderful. You make it the night. We always make it for like when people stay over because you can cook it the night before and then you just stick it in the oven and heat it up in the morning up. It's great. Make something like that. Get it all ready. Lay it all out. You know, talk to each other about what time do you want to leave for church so that you can be there on time and all that kind of stuff. But, and remember, like I said last week, I'm not trying to make any feel, anybody feel guilty. This is meant to be a blessing. 
It's meant to be a blessing because when we engage more deeply, we get so much more out of this, right? We really do. So it's not, it's not to make anybody feel guilty for coming late. I'm not, I'm not, you can come late next week. I'm not going to look crooked at you. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do here. Um, but, but think about these things. You know, maybe you could dress the kids up, you know, in their little Sunday best on Saturday night, stick them in the car seat, you know, give them Benadryl, let them go to sleep, stick a donut in their mouth. You know, they could just leave like that. And in the morning, you could just pop in the car and you say, hey, get up, kids. And they just start chewing, you know, and then you drive to church. Be a simple, you know, solution, though. Your love life might be better. Kids are out of the house, right? Anyway. Anyway, thirdly, (laughs) thirdly, read chapters three and four of your, your books. Take your books. They're right there on the side. Read. They're simple little chapters, simple little books, you know. Uh, it's called I Love Sundays. Uh, and each week for these next four weeks, we're going to be reading like one or two chapters in those little books. And you can discuss those with your family, with your friends. You can discuss the, discuss the stuff in your community groups as well. Um, and grab one if you haven't got one. And fourthly, observe next Sunday. Observe next Sunday. Start looking forward to next Sunday. Think about your week and how much God has given you. How much has he blessed you? We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Start being grateful for what the Lord has done in your life, right? Try posting on Facebook or Instagram something encouraging about this coming Sunday. Sunday's coming. I can't wait to worship with my people at 6-8. You might, you know, just start a, uh, a movement, right? Hal Seed closes chapter 4 of I Love Sundays with this. He says, I recently officiated the wedding of a couple named Chris and Sarah Evans. While planning the ceremony together, I asked them how they met. Sarah said, during... Sorry, one sec. During the first day of class, my freshman year, all the students had to introduce themselves. And when Chris introduced himself, I automatically said, wow, this guy is great and cute and something special. Class met once a week, so the next week, I dressed up a little bit for class. She did that every week, every single week, and Chris noticed, right? Now they're living happily ever, ever after. They got married. You know, they're, they're raising a family together. And Sarah thought Chris was special. She thought he was special, so she took special care on the days, you know, she went to class with him. It paid off. It's not a bad model, right? Sunday was meant to be the best day of our week. I really do believe that. So let's prepare for it, uh, you know, as if it's the highlight of our week. Let's look forward to it and let's remember back to it, right? Let me pray for us as the prayer person comes up. Father, we thank you that you love us. These things sound like rules sometimes, just, you know, arbitrary kind of rules that, you know, another thing that we have to do. But let us see beyond that. Let us see that that is actually the lie that Satan feeds us, that you want something for us in this, that, that you want us to be blessed in all of this, that you want us to, to you want to reduce our stress. You want to increase our joy. You want to deepen our love. You want to widen our character. And we ask that we would embrace you and embrace what you call us to in a way that we never have before. 
We pray that these things that seem so simplistic uh, would become easier for us to do and to live in. And we pray that that would make us a people that as we are blessed, we are turning around and blessing the world around us. And we thank you for that.